Rick Madison here with Jeff Cox and Jeff. Uh, so we're just going to back up a little bit. Here's what happened. I was late to today. How did that make you feel? Like, are you one of those people that, you know, no matter what, what happens in this lifetime or next, you will never forget people that are late. No, you don't, but I'm rarely late. I'm are never you, late. You're Unless never it's late. on purpose. Really? Yeah. I'm five minutes early for everything. Wow. I see, see I, my father was like that, and I'm not saying it was like a childhood regression thing. Well, it might be. <laughs> but part of me is overly optimistic over what I can accomplish in a very short amount of time, which in a perfect scenario, and and the trouble is I've pulled it off enough times where I'm like, I can totally do that again. But traffic has to be perfect. The every all the infrastructure has to be there, like systems have to be all green lit, everything's good, but any kind of wrinkle to that plan and things go off the rails. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 plan out your day and you stick to it. Yeah. But I don't get resentful for people that are late. Good. Otherwise I'd <laughs> dislike my wife. <laughs> Is she like that? No, I would say she's pretty good, but she's, she's, this is a learned, learned for, well, it's one of those things. It's just like I'm learning things and she's learning things. And right. I would just say there's places in life where you just have to learn to accept that, you know, people notoriously are late. It's not a, I mean, I don't think you, you'd be pretty mad at the world if you got pissed off because people were late. Yeah. And, and, and I do have a, Jennifer is, is my lovely partner and she, she told me one of her hot, hot buttons is being like, she's like, and, and, and it is an ongoing concern because I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am really late. Like it's sometimes you're like, oh, just a few minutes, but there's times when I'm like, I am really late, but I've actually able to, to explain this away for her. And she's actually on board. And that is, I enjoy these conversations. Like sometimes I'll have a conversation in a grocery store and, and if it's immersive, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm all in. And, and time means nothing to me. And if, if that's what's happening, I'm in the moment. And she's like, you know what? That is true. Like you are a good listener. Like you dive in. So I got that going for me, which is nice, you know, cause she actually gives me a little bit more leeway these days. I got a couple of, I got a, a cousins who are very good friends of mine growing up with notoriously late for everything. Leaves her purse in the cart at Kmart. Goes back, not there, thinks not. Like, it's just, she's one of those people. Like, yeah. but at the same time, it's almost impossible to get mad at her because she just, just kind of like rolls with the punches. You know what I mean? And, and very similar situation. You're like, hey, we got to go. And yeah. she can be in a conversation. It's like, but I'm right here right now. Yeah. So yeah. I, I get it. I, I get it. Yeah. It, it is truly one of those things where on the resolution list, that is, it is higher. And I think part of it is, Having been early to a number of things, my other problem is I get bored easy. And if I'm waiting and I'm not, and there's not an activity or any, like a meeting starting or something like that, I'm, well, take for instance, my son's grad this, this last weekend, there's 400 kids and I'm not pulling out a phone or a book. Like I'm watching. Mm -hmm. And Jen finally says, are you going to be okay? Because I was fidgeting. Like I was like a three-year-old in a high chair. I was like, this is, wow. Now I did leave before everybody else was done. Specifically Madison, you're middle of the pack, right? 
Well, I know. If your cocks are early, so it's like, you know what I mean? You can get out of there. And listen, on the spousal negotiation component, I just want to get to that for a second because that happened at my house on the weekend, is my wife said to me, can I just talk to you about one thing? And I'm like, oh, here we go, right? Yeah. And I'm like, and I kind of had an idea. So I was like, you want me to clean the peanut butter off the spoons? Notorious for that. Nutella too. Anyway, it wasn't that. It was that I leave the, I put the knives in the dishwasher sharp end up. Really? Yeah. Apparently. That's, I I do that. Yeah. Yeah. Not, well, I mean, my wife said, well, she's going to lose a finger, <laughs> which I was like, okay. But since we're opening this can of worms, I may have a few things. Oh, so here we go. So anyway, I shut 46 lights off by 10 a.m. on a Saturday, right? And I'm like, so anyway, for most of the weekend, we were in the dark, knives down. <laughs> Do you ever realize, though, that when you when you have something, when they come at you with something and you go, well, further to that, <laughs> that that never, ever works out? Never. It is like, you know, but what are you going to do? Because you... There, it's pent it's pent up demand. You're 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 like, well, if we're gonna have the conversation, yeah. I got a few things to air too, yeah. right? Yeah. While we're tabling yeah. an agenda, yeah. can I get some items? Let's negotiate for and and air them out. Mm -hmm. Just because I want to make sure that we're communicating, because the counselor said that would be a good thing. Yeah. That never like honestly that I pulled that out of the fire a few times. I will say this. Luckily, the, our solution to this is like bad humor for the rest of the like. So I. And I love my wife to death. And to her credit, she, so for the rest of the weekend, she's like, it's sure dark in here, right? Like at least, at least that we're like, she's lighthearted about There's it. There's an ongoing joke. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, and you have all 10 fingers. So, you know what? We, I will say we find our way through it, but. Um, but laughing at yourself is, is truly key for, for ongoing matrimonial hope. I would, I would say yes. Yeah. And it's not always the case, but it was this weekend, so. And you are going to travel. You are crazy, by the way, because right now might be the worst the airlines have ever run. Yeah, I have not had that. Uh, so here's the deal. I recognize it and knock on wood. So I avoid Toronto like the plague. Okay, don't yep. don't go there. Okay, I was I was traveling out of Toronto a few weeks yep. ago. Yeah, a kilometer long. The lineups. Yeah. I travel for work on a regular basis, or or have pre pandemic. So so I have some airline benefits that I, that I, that I, um, that I'm grateful to have. So typically I don't, you know, I, and I've tested this in the last little bit where somebody said to me, I tried to get through to, I don't know if I go to WestJet and it wait, I had, it was like, they were pulling me back in a week. Well, I phoned the number that's on my little card and I, the person said, Hey, Mr. Cox. So Ooh. there's, I think, I think it's a, it varying I will, levels. I will, take, I will publish that number shortly <laughs> for everyone. But you're, you're, I mean, you're right. It's a disaster that didn't need to happen, uh, for sure. Um, and it's not the airline's fault. Uh, this is again, back to our standard government issued problems that continue to exist post pandemic. Mm -hmm. No, it's so in Pearson, when I was sitting there and this is just a nice side story. So there was a woman directing traffic and she was clearly frazzled because i mean you're in an airport which is bad second thing is you got a long lineup third is i'm going to miss my flight so she is the agent for all of this chaos in a lot of people's eyes yep <clears throat> so i walked up <clears throat> and i tapped her on the shoulder and she goes what <laughs> and i said with a big <laughs> grin on my face even though i had to wear a mask but i i said first off how about we just breathe? And how are you doing? And she's like, 
good. She goes, you're, you're nice. And I said, well, well, thank you. My mother thought so. And, and, and others along the way, but not many, but I said, thank you. And she, and I said, she goes, where are you going? And I said, Kelowna. And, but I said, doesn't have to be today. Could be next week. Could be a month from now. I don't know. Like I said, I just, I want to know if this lineup means that it's going to security in because it seemed really long. And she goes, come with me. And she was one of those kind people, angels that plunked me in front of Nexus line and said, have a great day. And I think it's because I treated her like Mm -hmm. a human. Like I I didn't snap at her. I just kind of gave a moment and I said, you know, with a little bit of a smile and a smirk and, and kind of got my way, but two things dress well for traveling. Mm -hmm. A lot of people dress like they just rolled out of bed. So you have a certain level of respect for the, where you're going. Cause in, 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 you know, a few years back, you got dressed up to travel mm-hmm. and take a moment, like treat, I don't know, treat people like human beings, like be a human, a good human. And I think, man, more bees with honey. Don't you think? Oh, totally agree. I, although I mean, it's tough to, it's tough when you're not the one that starts it sometimes. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's tough to stay in that moment. I, I mean, I think there's some places where where no matter what, I just put my head down and say yes. Airports, customs, um, mm. yeah, yeah, police officers, you know. I, I mean, there's just not a negotiable. It's not negotiable at that point. I, I don't again, I think I think again, when you're when you're when you when when unfortunately we have done what we've done for two and a half years and then expect just to flip the switch, this is gonna happen. Now yeah. you could plan for it though. There's a lot of planning that could have been done for for this to be ready to go, um, you know. But but what I got from Pearson was they said, okay, the baggage handlers and the assistants and people that are boots on the ground, we don't have enough of them to transfer all of these people because it went from zero to a hundred miles an hour overnight, right? And they didn't really have a hiring fair prior to that. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what they were facing because. If I'm understanding, they were all hemorrhaging money because nobody was traveling for well, a while there. So I think that's part of it. But man, it is but, awful. But how do you? I mean, I mean, in all fairness, so we design government programs, which which I was not against, but thought that they were just way too broad spectrum. To for this exact reason, CEWS was. Was wage subsidy f- was for this reason. So you could keep people in the queue f- so that when we were ready to go, you were going to be able to turn them back on. Mm-hmm. CERB allowed them to, to, to essentially not be active at work or do other work. Well, I guess not do other work, but do be not be active at work and still have a paycheck. Granted, not enough money, but, but enough. Mi- again, I think as we all, I mean, I will never forget the day in our organizations when, when we, when it was like, you know, we stuck, we were put a freeze on dividends. We, and this was early. Like we were talking about, we were talking about what had just happened last year. Everything came to a grinding halt in 48 hours. We froze any cash flow to anybody, any shareholder, anything, not knowing what was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that, but then we had a lot of time to plan, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that even the organizations that I'm part of are perfect, but this is far from what most, of us had to respond to. I mean, if, if the rest of the world was acting like, like the, like the travel industry was acting, I mean, we'd collapse in on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there was a lot of, I, I think what was done right was the easy access 
and it, it helped get us over the initial hump of how long is this going to last? And, and it was an instant, like, and, and again, kudos, you had early access, didn't you need an email and a name and you got it. Mm-hmm. But the problem was I have business clients that go, okay, my restaurant, I have cooks that will not work past 20 hours because that actually infringes on their, on the government subsidy and it, stuff like that, that just drove me insane. Or you're me and someone fraudulently claimed on your name and now I have to prove to CRA that it wasn't me. Oh, right. Which you had the a, identity theft. Yeah. Yeah. Just around CERB, not around, not just, so identity theft around CERB. And it was actually brought to my attention by them, phoned me and said, was this you? And I was like, first of all, who are you? Like, I want to qualify that they were from CRA. Yes, they were, came back. Now, almost a year later, I'm being told, well, you need to prove to us it wasn't you. What, since, like, I don't even know. If, if they knew you or chatted with you for five minutes, there's only one Jeff Cox. <laughs> so you had identity theft. Yeah. Well, yeah. like specifically serve identity theft. Okay. So in your eyes, is there anything that that you learned from that that you could actually tell someone, okay, if, to not go through this whole thing? Because I had someone who uh, posted pictures on a holiday. So the, the people went to their house, took birth certificates, passports, yeah. everything, anything get their hands on. And for close to a year, every phone call that she didn't recognize from Toronto was yet another service that said, yeah, we, we just had you apply for this and you're in arrears or whatever. And she, the, the web of, of just credit and debt was so large that she needed to hire a firm to catch up to it. Mm-hmm. Cause it was, they just kept doing it and doing it, do it until you finally go, you know, it's a stress ball all I, day. And I, I have had identity theft in the past, nothing that's, it would, it got caught. Somebody applied for a phone, check and balance stopped. And at that point I was able to put a whole bunch of security measures in place, which I'm sure help. Um, Is there a firm for that though? Or did you, you can do, well, you can get some direction to just register with, with both credit bureaus in Canada say, Hey, before anything happens, you need, you need to phone me. Um, and you need, uh, you need to confirm my identity. And then what happens is, you know, if you go apply for a phone or a mortgage or all these things, then, then it's actually on, the the person that's doing the application to to verify you um i i mean it's i mean knock on wood i have not had any challenges it's a pain in my rear to get anything mm-hmm. um but i but i i guess this is just the society we live in today um until until we can get a uh, a system that that can mitigate these challenges but i don't think anything i would have done could have changed what happened with with serve payments because frankly your point i mean they handed it out and they were going to worry about it later which was always a criticism you know i want well and plus everyone knows your password white snake i mean (laughs) mean, (laughs) we're going to get into some heavier issues but the first one i'd like to bring up is you bought a vanilla ice album jeff cox tape Uh, i'm pretty sure tape so was it the whole album yeah, I can't remember it, but I just remember it wasn't good. No, it was awful. Yeah. He sells real estate in like Dallas or something now. Yeah, Miami, I think. Maybe maybe Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. yeah Dallas somewhere Miami. Down there. Yeah, yeah. And and yoga runs a lot. Billy Idol was like that too. Like just they actually stepped out of the eighties into twenty twenty and just looked magical. Actually, there's a whole vanilla ice is a like Suge Knight 
um, essentially threatened Vanilla Ice into signing over his um, royalty payments. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to dig into that one time. It's crazy. Like, so, yeah, he essentially, I, I'm, I might butcher this a little bit, but essentially Suge Knight, like, hung him over a balcony and said, you're going to sign these papers or else. Hmm. Um, yeah. So... So he didn't, he wasn't as tough as, as, as the whole song <laughs> no, suggested. The persona did not, did not, uh, yeah. He was in with some really bad people. Sugar Knight was a bad dude. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. He built an empire with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. wasn't afraid. Like, yeah. just, here's what's going to go. Now, was that Death Row Records? I was don't, that? I would, I yeah, it would have been right around that time. Yeah. So Okay. Because, yeah. uh, do you also know that Vanilla Ice dated, like, I don't, now looking back, I, I guess at the time it didn't register, but like Vanilla Ice and Madonna were together, and it was actually it was actually the end of them was her writing a book about their sex life. Really? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was he was not a fan of the. It was like tell-all? he thought it was a little bit graphic. Yeah, smoke and mirrors, and just a little too in his private life at that time. And which I, I think today it would be it would it would be nothing compared to what goes on. But yeah, yeah. yeah if it's not a sex tape, then we're not yeah, even yeah, interested. You're not even, no game, yeah. let alone a book. So yeah, I've I've uh, released a few sex tapes. They're not getting picked up anywhere because <laughs> <laughs> you have to have other people in the room, I guess. <laughs> so, um, but no, it was. Uh, I went to an old eighties concert. There's one coming up in September in Vancouver and uh, I still get a, a kick out of that. I oh, still get a kick out of, you know, a, the, have they aged? Yes, yes. Always. I was in a Capri in the lounge and uh, out comes these guys. And I'm like, man, they look familiar. And it was honeymoon suite, but basically a truck had rolled over most of their faces and then dragged them behind another automobile. <laughs> And I was like, I look amazing compared to you guys. But then again, I was 18 or something, and then they were much, well, it's going back, God, 40 years? Where? Why is MC Hammer not doing the reunion tour right now? I mean, he's broke. Oh, one. super broke. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like where, where that's, there's a guy that I like to know where he's doing. I got to do some research tonight. Where yeah. is MC Hammer? Hammer time. And and the reason why we want to go to high school reunions and, and, and look up 80 stars is because part of us feels pretty good about our decisions in life. <laughs> Isn't it, it though? Could be. There's a superiority thing going on there. Yeah, You're going, a bit of a complex. What? It's a comparison game. How can you possibly? Okay. So, you know, we're, we're, I've I've noticed over a few conversations with Jeff, Jeff Cox, is that uh, he he starts to activate when we start going politics and and we start. So I'm just I'm slowly I'm moving We're into building that. into this today. I'm, I'm a just I'm just moving into it. But um, on another note, uh, maybe you can add some shed some light on this because I've I've kind of it's a head scratcher. Friend of mine, his daughter had uh, a bad episode. Phone nine one one to get an ambulance. Ambulance said, "Oh, you're you're up there, hey." Mm. Well, it'd be better if you transported. And they said, "Well, we don't know if we can." She's unconscious, yep. and so he, you know, eventually they got her down there because the ambulance said, "We're not sure what our timing is." Get down there, go to emergency, sit in there for about four and a half hours. The daughter finally says, "Listen, I, I think I'm just going to have to get better at home." Mm-hmm. When they checked in 
to emergency, it was a security guard that scrawled their name on a notepad, not even admissions, mm-hmm. and said, yeah, your, your guess is as good as mine is, is when you'll get to see somebody. So was that, was that part and parcel with, with the COVID was kind of like an um, switcheroo? Like we actually have a failing healthcare system and now we're just going to throw some a pandemic at this and let's clear out and cancel all elective surgeries. And <clears throat> like there seems to be a lot of, um, you know, going back to our conversation about the airlines, like now it's we should be mostly back to normal, but it doesn't seem anything like that. Yeah, underlying common denominators, the government involved. I I think the healthcare system was on the brink already. Um, I think we were all very well aware of that. And and areas would be bad, and they would pay attention to it, and then they would tell us that it got better, and but but other things would slide. Um, We need an overhaul overhaul of our of our Canadian healthcare system, and I and I again, this is this is that tightrope because because. Some leftist socialist is listening to this right now thinking, oh, this guy wants to privatize healthcare. It's not true. I I believe in a baseline coverage of healthcare for all Canadians. I'm just not sure it has to be administered by the government. So why not? We do it, we do it in the private healthcare system, which is a $50 billion a year industry in Canada. You have insure codes that go, hey, listen, here's the reasonable and customary charge to get your teeth cleaned or to have a filling or how many minutes you can sit in the chair. So and a dentist can charge those things. They produce a fee guide. It's agreed upon by the province. Like again, coordination of 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 treatment. Why can't that apply to healthcare? So why can't you walk into image image one MRI here in Kelowna and say, I'm in need of an MRI. I've got a doctor that said I, I'm in need of an MRI, and they charge a reasonable customary uh, b- back to the province, and you don't wait eight months. Like there, there's kind of the baseline example. Why can't that exist throughout our throughout our healthcare system? Why not allow private enterprise to play a role in this? I would bet my life it can't get worse. Well, the other part of it too is that further to your point, I have a friend who's who's battling cancer and and he is having a difficult time, an aggressive form of cancer, and it's getting like the the tests and meeting with an oncologist and everything else is is rather lengthy. So we're talking four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks out from even building a plan out. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy that wants to live. And <clears throat> and based on the system, uh, when he does get an appointment, he has four or five people calling him and sending him letters and emails and everything else. He's like, what? It seems like we have a high administrative function and we don't have enough. Correct. On, yeah. So that's the other part of this conversation too, is that, you know, I, I'm, I'm in your boat, which is, I, I do believe that there, it would actually take a lot of stress off if we were to create some sort of system within that, that gives you access. But, but again, Scott Moe has talked about this in Saskatchewan and then everybody just, again, this is, you know, everybody gets on CBC and says, Scott Moe wants to create two tiered healthcare and leave them the impoverished behind. That's not it. Like I'm saying that everybody has the same access, but go privatize where you can get the work done. The the model exists. Like there are 28 countries in, in the world that have universal healthcare programs. 
Uh, I think the I think it was the Fraser Institute. I don't. I, I'm. I was. I would be. I will be very prepared for this conversation the next time we have it. But I think we're ranked 24 to 28th. We're also in that stat. You know that we're 24 out of 28 in multiple lines. So like like the the way we do things. That the only place we're not is the amount of money we spend per capita or per person. Mm-hmm. That number we're right at the top, which means we're funded correctly. We are just burning it at every corner instead of applying it to where we should be, which is to actually provide healthcare services. And it seems like there's a there's a bit of a discord between provinces. It seems like we have a gap in service. Why would that be? I mean, Saskatchewan has about a million people living in it mm-hmm. since 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's less people in Saskatchewan. Is that part of the, the model? Or Ontario, I actually had a doctor leave Kelowna, move back to Ontario because she said there was something about in BC, you, you uh, get paid per patient visit. In Ontario, you get paid on how many files you have, mm-hmm. which is... A massive disparity. So complicated system, right? Um, That that again, like again, this is going to sound extreme, but so you know the the Canadian Health Act, which really dictates what what the provinces can do and how funding works. And again, you have to meet certain requirements to get the funding, which has been manipulated over the years. Blah 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 blah. I would suggest that not adapting change to that and again it's not to say that it's that it shouldn't that we sh- again i'm for universal health care i don't think it should matter um color your skin male female or, or or sexual orientation or whatever there's nothing or or you know whether you're born into money or not you should have health care I, I i firmly have a stance on that but i would suggest that our health care act has stayed stagnant and and I, and this is my kind of extreme comparison it's like it's like when you go to the U.S. and every you know gun-toting American is like, oh, the Second Amendment, and and or, or not, what is it? What is what is their Second Amendment free speech for them? Or just this this right to bear arms? Oh yes, yes. Okay, so so to me, it sat still when it needs to be adaptive, right? And you're right, it doesn't. It is it is so the provinces are in charge of actually administering healthcare. Funding is is supposed to be coming from the federal government, mm-hmm. and I'm not hanging this. Is about the one thing I won't. They have not done a good job of it, but but it was an inherited mess that goes back for for now generations. The reality is, it's it's not working and it's broken, and we need to totally flip it flip it on its head. There and then and then the other piece of it too is we've we've so so and again, I'm, I'm there's so many places you can go with this, but you're right. So. As an example, in British Columbia, we have a fair pharmacare program, okay? So it provides drugs based on your income, uh, based on um, b- based on a list of, of, of mandated drugs by the province. You know, let's say there's 6,200 drugs that are on the on the BC pharmacare list today, which is about, I think about right. There's about 15,000 tr- approved drugs in Canada. So there's a pretty big gap there. But that being said, if you're in Ontario, they don't have a fair pharmacare program, right? They have Trillium, which is a catch basin of 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 seniors and and the impoverished um if you go to alberta um you know they've started to run you know this was in rachel notley's time when they started to actually engage and i will give alberta credit instead of building themselves they went to alberta blue cross and said hey can you run a seniors program and what they called the um, non-drug drug program which was you know if you did have a dr- high cost drug you could get pushed to this program and then you go to Saskatchewan, very similar to British Columbia. Quebec, flip it on its head. Not even 
there's no program remotely close. Again, if you knew um, the way healthcare worked in Quebec and you realized you were funding it, you would, you would, you would be blowing smoke out your ears. But again, just like there's, there's no rhyme or reason. It's not consistent. And it's, it's that my, I guess my point is this, everything we believe about healthcare in Canada as Canadians is actually so far from what it actually is. And, and that's, kind of what I'm saying is I believe in universal healthcare. I don't, I, I believe that it should not matter. You should be, if, if you're a seven year old girl and you have cancer, it should not matter if your parents can or cannot pay for it. Like, and, and I, and I would love to sit across from somebody that, that would say differently, but, th but there's an example. Okay. Well, I, I think actually we're solving the healthcare. We're solving it here. Um, but the one thing I'm thinking about is if you said you believe in universal healthcare, However, uh, somebody has a tumor um, and they have universal health care, they're on a, put on a wait list. Yep. If you have means, you have resources, you might be able to go get that done fairly quickly. Um, isn't that considered two tiers? Sure. If we sell, the, listen, the, in Canada, you can buy products that'll pull you out of the Canadian healthcare system and drop you into the US. And to be sincere, they have been flow. So 15 years ago, um, they were, they were, they were, they were pretty big. We were, we saw them quite regularly being pushed, especially into like, you know, white collar executive groups of people. They actually went away for a period of time because our healthcare actually, and again, I'm, I'm, you know, every, you know, through the conservative times in the federal government, actually <laughs> healthcare actually. And if the, in this province, when the liberals were running it, um, um, we actually watched those products kind of fall off the shelf. Now they're back. Uh, I take more phone calls right now from from what we call, you know, skip line insurance, which essentially pulls you out of here and drops you into Eisenhower or Mayo or wherever you want to go in the U.S. Um, and, and they've got a contract that says if you're diagnosed with these things and you can't get treatment within this amount of time, you're gone, right? Hmm. So it's not like they, it doesn't exist today, right? And it does. It Just, does yeah. exist today, you know? And, and again, you, you know, we've talked about where employers are picking up significant, you know, $50 billion, whether you're a government employee or, or a private enterprise, $50 billion a year is spent in private healthcare in this country, right? So let's not, let's, we got to stop pretending universal healthcare is a thing. And we also have to start engaging um, the, the, the practitioners that exist. Like, you know, I'm the farthest thing from a doctor or a nurse for that matter, like surely they've got ideas and, and surely they've got to be at the table to help, uh, to help, to help solve the problems. Well, and, and the other thing anecdotally is, as talking to a number of, of, you know, nurses and GPs, they're, they're burning the candle both ends mm -hmm. and, and they all have wonderful empathy. They all want more for, well, for care, mm -hmm. but they're getting, they're just getting strung along. And I, and I, I do feel like out of all of the, like, there's just some things, some services that I could never imagine myself doing. My mom was an RN nurse and I saw, you know, 12 hours in an emergency room, like what the wear and tear it has on a person. It's just like those pictures of before they go into presidency in the U S and then after they leave, it's almost like that on a shift. And I just think that we have to start looking at this a different way. But further to your point, I just don't know if if a politician is going to be in, in power for four years that they're going to take on that beast. Like anybody provincially or federally, to, for them to go, let's look at this again. Because 
it's one of those just things you want to hide. <laughs> like it, it takes up a ton of money. It's got, it's a sacred cow in a lot of people's mindset. So I'm not even going to bring that in because no matter what, 50% of the people are going to hate what you do. And that's the problem. Yeah. I, but I, but you know, I would be more inclined to listen to a politician that was willing to tell me that they were invest a billion dollars into the healthcare system than build a new museum. So like, I might have some John Horgan, right? Like, come on. Okay. This is fun. This is, this is, you know what? I could almost see like the carcass of John Horgan flying past us. Um, okay. So I, I, I fully admit full disclosure, I get bits and pieces of the news. I can't take it in all day because for the most part, it just, it can be overwhelming because I want to fix things. I, I honestly want things to be better. Yep. So when I heard about this museum piece, John Madison, uh, ex-CAO, um, my father said, be careful of legacy pieces and be careful of plaques. And what he was talking about is just on the municipal level, where he had counselors that really wanted their names on parks. They wanted their names on arenas. They wanted their names on curling rinks because it was a legacy piece. And he said, great, but, you know, out of priority sequence, this probably isn't a priority. And, and he fought against legacy pieces his whole life. Yeah. His name's on a building, but that's another thing. He, he didn't want any part of that. So when I hear this stuff, I, I can only hear his, his voice in my head going, what? This is the priority given, given coming out of a pandemic, coming out of hundreds of thousands of people that just went, I don't even know what to do. It's, you know, there, there was a whole bunch of stuff. You decide to build a museum now. Or the fact we've run a deficit federally and provincially for, for, you know, seven years now. Yeah. Like there's, there, again, it's not, that's not com that's not common sense. You know what I mean? If my finances are tight, I'm not buying a new car. You know? Or a boat. Yeah, or anything for that matter. And I'm not even sure what this comparatively would be. Like, I'm sure not buying a statue to put in my front yard. And maybe, maybe they're thinking, okay, well, this get people's minds into something else. Like, who doesn't love a museum? Really? And they're going to be building, from what I understand, a very nice facility. Guaranteed. <laughs> no, Listen, no expense will be spared. Jeff, you will go to Victoria. You will walk through that and go, wow, this is carved in gold. But I won't. And here's why. Because I wouldn't I wouldn't go any... But this is my point. You know, this is where I get, we got back to it. We talked about this in the last show about golf courses and and how, how the system in the U.S. works, uh, which is actually very good at promoting um, golf to, to, to all creeds of life and... and and, and how Canadians have not been able to adapt that to municipal golf courses. Again, if, if he announced that he was going to spend a billion dollars on building golf courses in, in British Columbia, people would lose their minds. I bet he would, I bet he would have more engagement if he built golf courses than museums. Mm -hmm. And, and again, that I'm just using that as an example, because we talked about it. There are so many other things. Again, if you're talking about, 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 civic duties and, 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 and providing for, um, f for your constituents, like what does a music, like what is the finite group of people that got excited about that? Oh. Well, and, and again, any kind of expenditure 
gets thrown under a microscope now, as it should, because of running the deficit, which is, they should be held accountable. My thing is, remember that that whole big expensive uh, washroom, that public washroom that was built in Kelowna, and the amount of pushback. And and at the time, you know, I've talked to Ron Matusi now, and he says, actually, that's what they cost commercially, and you have to sure. build in, you know, all... But that was just for a bathroom. Now we're talking about a museum, which I think for a lot of people, we under, we respect culture, we respect history. We're, you know, we respect, I think, a lot of things. But I think timing and optics on this cannot be ignored. So it's just a constant hypocrisy. I'm going to give you an example going back a few years. When I was doing some work uh, with a treatment center, um, the gov- government funding to put someone who couldn't afford to be there into the treatment center was an impasse for us with the government. They they refused to budge on $115 a day to feed someone, house someone, and give them um, um, addiction treatment, not to mention if they were concurrent disorder and suffered from mental illness, okay? $116. At that exact same time, the eat-out allowance for MLAs in British Columbia, whether you were living in Victoria or not, was $86, right? Like, again, and again, this is the challenge. Per day. Per day. (laughs) And that's the fatigue and frustration, right, is is just this this craziness of we have no problems doing this and we'll defend it, right? But But then when it actually matters, you know? But what was interesting about... The whole media surrounding the pandemic was she only answered questions. I'm talking about Dr. Henry. She only answered questions from three media. Yep, we the one all, she chose, and it would really that became very quick. And, was and that she she would only she would only. I mean, that never really was publicly talked about. The fact that she really defined it down to 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 three news outlets with with vetted questions. Yep. So you you supply us with the questions. You never ever go off that list and we will fundamentally always ask your answer your questions so then you have that media bubble which is very tight and now all of a sudden you've got this museum which is i think in a lot of ways if they're not if their feet are not pushed to the fire on this then shame on you media for not bringing them there and i do think because of the pandemic every daily press press conferences you have this this arena now, which is set up, where the media go, I have to get my news through this other medium, through this other channel, because I can't ask questions. Because they won't ask Rebel News and all those outfits. She won't even look at them. Now, Jeff, okay, let's think for a moment on the other side of things. Is there a good reason for a museum? Is, is it potentially, again, and I'm not saying facetiously, that we need a museum to get our minds off of other things. Well, you never want to forget history. And 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 so there's tons of reasons to to commemorate history. We've done some amazing things in life. We've done some things that we shouldn't be proud of, but we should never forget them. And that that is a little bit of my challenge when we when we were into the cancel culture of of tearing down Sir a, Sir Sir John A. Johnny McDonald, McDonald yeah. mm-hmm. um, statues is is Right or wrong, at one time we thought that honoring him was the right thing to do. He's on our he's on our money. Mm-hmm. Okay, that may have changed, 
But again, if you take 2022 and try and apply it to to 100 years ago, things are going to look out of, out of touch and out of place. Mm-hmm. We should have museums um, because it should remind us of the things that we've done well and the things that we haven't done well. But we should never try and erase history. I'm just not sure in today's world, at today's time, um, that we need to be spending a billion dollars on a museum. And again, I go back to it. What what may, I don't know, I have lessons from my parents, lessons in life, lessons, partly hard lessons I had to learn on my own is, 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 you know, when do you, when do you get to spend, spend the extra dough when things are going okay, when there's, when there's money in the bank, when you're feeling comfortable, that's not today for me in, Mm -hmm. in British Columbia. We're not at a stage where we should be building billion dollar museums. And, and it's a value equation for me. So if, if we were to take a billion dollars to, to deal with addictions, treatment, and, and, and basically just, and, and again, even people that wouldn't agree with that would say, listen, those people have already, they've already punched their ticket. We don't even know, you know, if they're, if they're humans anymore, like they just seem like those opinions do exist. So even if you feel that way, there's a math equation, which is helping someone get off the street actually helps the taxpayer. Because that means sure. they become part of society. They're no longer, you know, costing money. And and just from a pure staff standpoint, like not staff, financial standpoint, it actually makes more sense to a billion dollars might get you four billion back in just productive citizens that don't cost society. Again, I, I just look at the value equation of billion dollars in different areas. That can that can solve a lot of issues, not solve them, but perhaps help us. You know, it's all spin too, right? So you can come out and say, "Oh, we're going to spend a, a billion dollars to help drug addicts." Like, oh, that's that's a load of crap. I have worked and volunteered in those areas and and spent time right down the street level in the past. So if if you came out and said we're going to spend a billion dollars to help people that were born with fetal alcohol syndrome that have never had a hope in their life you might get a little more empathy. And then again, if you went further and said, we're gonna go after a population that was born with fetal alcohol syndrome, that was sexually abused, that couldn't get educated, that was that was moved from one foster home to another, you're gonna get more empathy. And so if you start actually telling the true story um, about why our streets are the way they are, and that's not the same for everybody, but there's a lot of that out there. Um, you're, you Again, you may make more inroads. Just, just to kind of get into that finite detail about where do you spend the money and how do you spend it. I th- Again, if they think if you tell the story correctly, I think we could easily spend a billion dollars helping those people. Uh, again, you go back to it when you ask the question, is there a time to spend a billion dollars on a museum? You know, again, somebody, somebody from some war society might argue the exact same point. Well, if you understood, well, I do, but I'm not sure it's going to change anything today. I don't think by commemorating my great-grandfather, um, who obviously did some things I'll never do in life because I've read the letters from the London Gazette and 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 fought in those wars. Um, or and, and again, those are those people are endless and limitless in Canada. Everybody's got that story. Um, I'm not sure commemorating the museum is going to make a difference today. And and it's interesting, just from a marketing context. I'm down in Austin, Texas, and at this, uh, you know, he, he's he runs a, a rather well known marketing firm, and he has. Um, senators, people tabling bills, changing the names. He changes the names for them to get them passed. Mm-hmm. So he'll change 
protect, to defend, mm -hmm. and various power words that he says, those are the, the big words that actually pass a bill. And it's so interesting from a standpoint of just changing the messaging actually changes the, the whether or not that bill is going to get passed through right. the House. So this is a question, but it's, you know, it has some meaning here. Why do you, I know you put a lot of energy into uh, reading and, and being up to date with, with various news topics and, and you extend some, some wonderful courtesy by being on the show. Why do you do that? Why don't you just fire up your old social media and just let it loose? Like why does, cause I know this, you know, being able to chat about an opinion and thought means a lot to you. Where does that stem from? I don't, you know, if we, it's it's it, it's, a, it's a very tough question to answer, but I think it comes back um, to this idea that this is this we it may be lost on us that this is a need in society, right? So, it, you know, if you if you get back to a, you know uh, a life unexamined is a life wasted. It's 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 true, and it's it's the same. From a community standpoint, right? I mean, if you, this is part of this. You have to, you have to challenge and you have to give back. And and you know, the odd time you're going to take. Um, this is how we get better. This is how my kid's life gets better, right? And I really try not get on here and get or anytime and get super one way or the other. I actually try and look at other people's views and go, you know what? There might be something there. Mm -hmm. And I have those people in my family, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, card-carrying union members, not my cup of tea. But that being said, how and why and and what do they stand for and what what is important to them, right? Mm -hmm. And what if they're right? <laughs> you know, maybe not. You know, and again, if we all took that approach, um, now I I'll defend my 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 opinion all, all day long because I think it's well thought out. But at the same time, my opinion changes sometimes too, you know, and, and it can and, be and swayed. That, and that doesn't make you a waffler. That that makes you someone, uh, I think, open to another idea or concept that, that actually has some merit to it. it the, thank you. And I, I would say this, the classic example for me right now is cryptocurrency. I think it is, I think it is the coolest study going on the planet right now. I believe that cryptocurrency is the internet in 1994. Exponentially, we can't even think about what it's going to accomplish. But I'm on my way here and listen to the Mike Smith show, and he is just like, this is for idiots. And it's like, really? Like, or or is there, or is there like, is this just the start of what may totally change the way that that we exchange? Um, do, do you have crypto? Yeah, of course. Not. I mean, is my life savings in it? No, not at all. But I'm, but I, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely intrigued by the 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 peer-to-peer -peer exchange of money without a third party. Okay, so cryptocurrency, and and I wanted to bring this up anyway, but Pierre Polyev talked about freedom. He yep. talked about crypto being a part of that freedom because it's it's untrackable. You know, you have a the ability to to work in that space without the government you know, overlords looking at your, your resources. But that being said, um, I don't have any crypto because I don't truly understand it. I have my 18 year old son try in vain to explain it to me numerous times. And every time I walk away, I walk away, 
I, I'm shaking my head a little bit going, okay, so how can a kid with three supercomputers in his basement walk out with 35 grand, which one of his friends did? Mm-hmm. Like 35 grand made it by having these computers running constantly. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, you know, I know what the gold standard means. I know enough about economics. I know about financial markets, but crypto, man. And wherever I go, somebody at, at some party or you know function goes have you got some crypto i'm like i i wish i did so i could say i did but i don't know no and and because it's not easy right now it's still very complicated i mean there are a handful of areas that have made it easier but the actual irony is you're not actually buying crypto um it's more an exchange that buys on your behalf uh, well, simple, which is a power corp organization, is doing it now. But that, but that part is irrelevant. And this is this is my point, though: is is not not pro or con crypto, just the study. So my whole thing is people that are like, you know, think it's just ridiculous, and it's it's you know, again, on the Mike Smith show, somebody said, oh, you know, um, um, you know that that there was this um, uh, reference. Um, that, that, you know, it's the new gold standard. And he said, I think it's a fool's gold standard. I'm like, it's, it's, you can't. What, what, what show was Mike Smith on? I don't, it's, it's a syndicate. Um, so I listen to it on AM 1150, which is okay. the only news talk besides CBC, I think in Kelowna. So and like, Rick and Friends. Rick and, yeah, well, I know, but I mean, in, in, on AM FM radio, you know what I mean? Don't, don't. <laughs> oh no, I'm doing you know it. I mean. okay. So anyway, Sorry. I, but I was listening to it, and my point is this: it's it's not. I don't know how so many people can have such a hard stance and be so uneducated about it, and and that's the interest. They don't understand it. Right. It intimidates right. them. But where you go back to? Listen, nothing is going to fly in life that doesn't have government regulation because it's going to leave ninety five percent, maybe more, of the population out of it until there is some form of government regulation, and that's where you get into the hardliners that are like. This is why we created it, which I also get. But I'm like, guys and girls, you're not going to have any success unless you're open. Well, and that's true because part of it is um, we do get a a sense of of trust and peace of mind when we know that there is actually some sort of authority figure other than Elon Musk, you know, swaying the market, I guess. That's the other part that I don't like the ebbs and flows of, of crypto based on him saying Dogecoin in, in, at Saturday Night Live and it going up like 30%. Like that stuff bugs the crap out of me. But, I, but, but why doesn't it bug you when it happens in, in we, our world is full of influencers that influence you what? all the time. No, so yet. I just, I don't know how, and again, I don't, I, I get it, but I love how Elon has become Dr. Evil when it's like, I can name 10 influencers that made a comment today about a certain product. And you're like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. But you're not mad at them. Actually, Ronaldo was funny when he, it was around the World Cup and and he sat down and he moved two bottles of Coca-Cola to the side. And he says, kids, drink water, not Coke. Bad for you. And and Coke stock went down like 26%. Now it eventually went back up, but it was kind of a funny moment because you're like, Wow. Like Ronaldo, possibly one of the most iconic sports figures in on the planet, says, "Don't drink Coke." I mean, Coca Cola is going, "Wow, ouch!" Like what? for the day. 
And listen, uh, it was it was probably six a month or six weeks ago, an unnamed hedge fund, although they're pretty sure who it was and what bank did it, essentially shorted a crypto stock that was that was worth a billion dollars, and they drove it to zero in twelve hours, and they did it to prove that they can still manipulate the market. And and again, that it's stuff like that that I find very intriguing, right? So everyone's all all hard up on Elon for saying I'm into Dodge, but. But yet no one is down a rabbit hole trying to figure out if it was JP Morgan or Chase, except the diehards, that that erased a billion dollars of asset in 12 hours just to prove that crypto is touchable. And and to me, this is the part that I find amazing is, is when you get into this and start reading this. And again, I'm not a pro crypto guy, but I'm not a con crypto. I'm just saying that to ignore it is the the biggest part of ignorance. To understand at your own it, peril. At your own peril. Yeah. 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 So Jeff, real quick, uh, where do you get your news from? We, uh, you know what? And again, so no social, I have almost no social media anymore. Um, I got rid of Twitter in February, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the Freedom Convoy, because uh, it was too much all the time. Yeah. I decided to shut the fire hose off. I get my news now from two apps, typically. Um, by choice. So by news, by apps are either the Toronto Sun or the National Post. Um, now I do listen to radio. I Cloner, do. Cloner now streaming. Correct. Rick and friends. I do listen to. AM eleven fifty. Yeah, I do listen to, or I do turn the TV on to global at mm-hmm. six o'clock if I'm if we're getting ready for and, dinner. Yeah, and, and CTV doesn't bother me. CTV doesn't bother me as much. As it, as it used to. CBC, though, I do have a... Oh, man. <laughs> really? I thought you said we had to go. Okay, real quick. Defining the CBC, just for fun. Our, our, and, and when we say defunding, we don't mean shut it down. We mean just stop subsidizing it on the level that I've, we're doing it. I've said I, there's a place in Canada for, for CBC, but it's not where it is today. And, I, and again, listen, some great long-standing um, um, CBC uh, faces have, have come out against it. Rex Murphy being the biggest right now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have seen producers leave there and write, write lengthy articles about why they left. I, I find it very hard to believe that Peter Mansbridge is comfortable with what's going on at the CBC right now. Oh, but he's almost at that point where... It doesn't behoove him to to really have a stance. Like he's he's almost like the Ron McLean. Yeah. Like fine. And like, you're and you're right. I'm gonna ease into retirement. I'm yeah. not gonna look like that cherry guy. Yeah. <laughs> and and fair enough. I just I I there we are past the point of no return. And I think I think Canadians know that, you know? I just don't think it, it helps Pierre to Pierre Polyev to say on the first day I'm gonna defund the CBC. I, I just from a from a purely marketing strategy standpoint, I don't know if I would poke the bear. Maybe do it when you take office, but I don't think you want to do that during. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, which is man, I think that's yeah. your, that's your skill set, right? I mean, it's what you do. Uh, you know, as part of marketing public relations, I think it's a little aggressive. I, again, I I think he should stay away from the crypto stuff too. I don't I don't think Canadians are ready for it. And the fact that it's gone in the toilet recently. It is doesn't also- help. It does because now he's got to defend it. Yeah. Right. But I mean, um, yeah, I listen, this it's gotta to come to an end. You know, it ha- we have gotta we have gotta 
we've got an NCBC as we know it today. Not to say it won't exist. Um, you know, I will give Aaron O'Toole credit. He said, I think there's a place for CBC. I'm just not sure Canadian taxpayers should be funding Canadian Family Feud. And to me, that was a really good example, let alone the state media crap that's gone on for the past two years. Um, that's a whole other topic. But but he's right. I mean, why why are we funding, you know, some of the programming is, is absurd and the news has become has become a puppet, a puppet, yeah, yeah. right? You know, you can't tell me Rosemary Barton is objective or subjective or it's, a, I mean, you ever seen her in a room with Trudeau? Um, Freeland, our finance minister. <laughs> Are you a Star Wars fan? No. Oh. Well, kind of. Okay. You know, you know, Star Wars. You're yeah. aware of Star yeah, yeah. Wars. Luke yeah. Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. So the senator senator palpatine becomes the emperor i don't know if yes, you, yeah. yes. Like, i'm not a diehard Star yeah because he got the yeah. lightning bolts and yeah, all yeah that's stuff. right yeah, yeah. christian christian freeland aka senator all palpatine right like she is becoming i mean you watched her her like yeah yeah she's senator palpatine um so the most recent video of her where they're just you know of course our our, our man of the moment, Pierre Polyev, is asking some very direct questions about how much debt, and if we had an increase of one percent, what does that mean for yep. you know our Canada's debt? Like, just, because you have to actually fundamentally look at that eventuality, because we're all knowing interest rates are going north. So, what does that look like? Um, we'll have a report tabled on Tuesday. No, no, no. But but as of today, because you probably know that number, because I mean, who else would know that number? Who else in the government? And anyone else is welcome to answer that question from the floor. How much 1% increase in in interest rates would cost Canadian? Crickets. And I, I love the fact that it just feels like, because those are questions perhaps you and I would ask of, of people in government, just saying, if you don't know the numbers, then how on earth is your hand on the wheel? But that's the attraction of Pierre. And let's be honest. I mean, I mean, that is why most of us have been attractive, have been attracted to Pierre is because he stands on the floor and he's armed and ready to go and looks prepared. And question period, let's be honest, is theater at best. No one's oh, answered yeah. a question in years. But but I mean, that's where he brings his deliverables. He can speak on his feet, he can stand on his feet, and she can't, frankly. No. And she, and she has no qualifications to be actually, to be and people the should, should or deputy prime minister for that. Matter. Should people should Google her credentials? It won't take long. No, no, she's a journalist. Yeah, like yeah. it won't it won't take any time whatsoever because right. to read it. So I'm I don't know about you, but like I'm not hiring a journalist to do my personal taxes let alone run one of my companies, let alone run the country. Yeah, and and that's you know, and again. Bill Morneau had no qualifications either. I mean, he was a name. He's mm -hmm. like, he was an, you know, he's yeah, the profile. anointed name, right? Yeah. Like, like, and again, look who has the credentials. When did we get away from who has the credentials to be in the job? She has no credentials to be in the job. Okay. Jeff, uh, been an absolute pleasure. We're, we got to wrap it up. We got to wrap it up. Uh, enjoy Italy and all of its wonders and bring me back something like, past it maybe or something thanks for having me